Hey, hey, bro, what's going on? It's Athea Sam here. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. I'm so glad that you guys are tuning in today. We have a great interview with, hey, this guy's no stranger to the podcast. Shane O'Neill is his name. He's the editorial director from Proven Ministries and the host of the Naked Gospel podcast. This guy has a graduate degree in apologetics, and he's actually currently working on another degree in counseling, which I did not know about. I found out in the interview. I, I think it was in the interview, or maybe it was actually off camera. I forget. But we had a really uh, wide-ranging conversation today, and our real heart was to talk about porn genres. And so that's kind of what we focused on. We spent a lot of time contextualizing things. You guys know how important that is to me. And then we started to kind of talk about, you know, just some of the stats around genres, keyword searches, what they mean, what they don't mean. And honestly, this was a, a really candid, a very robust conversation you guys are going to get just unbelievable amounts of value from what we discuss here today. And I just, I, I want to encourage you just listen with an open mind. Um, two things I'll mention really quick. So number one is when we record these interviews, um, it, it's really, it, it would be inaccurate to call it an interview. It's a discussion and we record them with the intent of sharing them on both of our platforms. And so you know, one of us has always taken a little bit more control of, of the interview. And in this case, Shane kind of leads the interview. So it, it does sound a little bit more like it's me being interviewed, but you'll see it's, it is a back and forth discussion. It's just a little bit more led by Shane. The second thing that I want to mention is that we do use some more um, explicit language describing some of the genres. And some of you may find that you might be sensitive to it or you might find it a bit offensive. We did not bleep anything out. Uh, we will bleep out cuss words if we ever have a guest who cusses. Um, but when it comes to words like that, we don't bleep them out just because the specifics are actually important. And if you bleep out a word um, in some of these contexts, you don't necessarily know what it is that we're talking about. And so that's why it's in there. I want to give you a heads up. If you think that's going to be triggering or a problem, just skip this interview. Like there's so like this is episode 680. So there's lots of other content that you can take in. You don't need this one, but I just want to give you guys a heads up so that you're, you've been warned and that you kind of know what you're getting yourself into. Without further ado, here's my interview with Shane O'Neill. So here's the million dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Hey folks, welcome back to The Naked Gospel. Today we have Sathya Sam joining us for another conversation. I always look forward to these. They're uh, kind of quarterly conversations with Sathya. Sathya is over at Deep Clean. Uh, links to that will be down below. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about porn genres, specifically porn genres. So why exactly are there genres with pornography? Like, isn't it just about arousal and getting off? Isn't it just about nudity and eroticism? So why exactly are there genres? There are different kinds of pornography and they're topical, they're thematic. And certain genres have far more popularity than other genres. So what what is that about? And like, does it matter? How does it impact us? What does it tell us about ourselves? Uh, what does it tell us about our culture? Um, some of the things we want and long for and the deficits that are in our soul. Uh, a lot of questions. I'm excited to engage this conversation. We've never actually talked about porn genres before. Uh, so looking forward to this conversation with Sathya. Uh, thank you so much for being here, Sathya. Oh, man. Always a pleasure. And obviously, we're going to you know repurpose this for my show. And anytime, I can pretty much just slap Shane O'Neill on an episode if I ever want to get some hits because uh, my audience loves you, man. So this is always a treat to be together. Yeah, so you're going to make me blush. Sathya, have you ever <laughs> talked about uh, porn genres before? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it. You have to remember, we have a daily podcast, right? So we've covered just about everything under the sun in this um, scope. Mm -hmm. But um, in an interview, we've never really done a deep dive on it. So I think it'd be it'll be cool to kind of get your take on it. And you know, there's there's a lot of actually like embedded information in you know our palette, if you will. And so I'm I'm pretty excited to, to dive in. Okay, so just even framing this conversation, how do you, so if I were just to say, hey, Sathya, uh, is all pornography the same? Or is there some diversity in pornography? And if there is diversity, uh, what's that about? Like, wh how would you go about answering that question? 
Oh man, great question. I I think uh, to answer the first question directly, no, all pornography is not the same. It, it's interesting. Anytime you start talking about something that's morally charged, like you know, sexuality or pornography. Um, people often ask us like, oh, but you know, what about this? Does this count as porn or does that, you know, right. everybody's always trying to figure out, you know, where's the line. And it's, a, it's, it's understandable why people ask that question, but, um, we don't want to just know like, Hey, is this crossing the line or not? Cause sometimes it's actually helpful to know how far does this cross the line? So to use my personal story, like I got exposed to pornography when I was 11 years old, it was soft core. So there's no actual sexual activity. It was just nudity. Mm-hmm. Um, as it started to progress, it became more hardcore where, you know, you're actually watching sexual activity take place on screen. Those are two very different experiences. Um, the, even think about the programming, right? Like when you see, when you're just observing nudity, the, obviously again, like it, it's all across that line, just to be super clear, but there's, it's, there's no messages about, um, you know, what sex looks like about relationships between, uh, two people. Um, there's there's nothing like that going on and certainly no nuances about um you know styles or details or just some of those things that you pick up from more hardcore pornography and i know for me uh you know i, I was sexually active when i was i guess 18 19 years old and i already had some ideals or i had kind of a a template if you will that was written entirely by the hardcore pornography i had viewed before and so the, when you say sexually active you mean like with another human being but yeah, with another person. Yeah. Gotcha. And had, uh, had I only viewed softcore, the impact would have been different. Not to say that it wouldn't have had an impact, but that template would not have been written as directly. So just to answer, uh, that's a, that's a personal example, but hopefully it illustrates the point, which is that not all porn is the same. And the way we measure it is not necessarily by the nature of the content. That's part of it. But the secondary piece is how that content influences us. Yeah, that's solid. So, uh, yeah, I, I remember Matt Frad tackling that in the porn myth. Uh, he goes after that because it is a constant question of, you know, what it, what constitutes pornography, and I know even the Supreme Court has wrestled with that. Yeah. Um, I yeah. So I'm with you on that difficulty because it's not just about content; it's also about intention. I can tell you that I was right. like a like a very clever, horny child. You know, like I would, I would, you know, like even use nude art, you know, it's like, well, yeah, sure. That's not pornography, but it's pornography to me, you know, like that's, yeah, that is yeah. to me, like that's, Good that's point. dangerous. And I had really, really beat up intentions. So yeah. I, uh, I, I'm with you on that. And I think a lot of people it's just, I, I think it just takes being like honest, like, well, what are you, what are you trying to do? Like, I, what, what are you trying to do with whatever it is you're pursuing? Yeah. Um, and people around you who are willing to ask you those questions, I think that helps too. Like sometimes I, I'm really, really good at lying to myself, which is startlesome. So having yeah. people around me who, uh, who love me enough to ask me questions that I might be lying to myself about. Yeah. Uh, um, so, uh, how, how, so when some, maybe somebody hears the word genre, uh, yeah. my mind probably goes like literature. I think of maybe movies or books. I think of like action or adventure or romance. Um, and for pornography, it's actually uh, similar. Like there's a, there's a romantic genre and there's um, there are a, a lot of genres. You can actually get like into subgenres. And I oh, don't yeah. know necessarily how specific we want to be. I'm okay with being pretty specific because I assume that whoever's listening to this is quite aware. Um but uh, when you think of like porn genres, how do you go about I, I, what is what does that mean? Yeah, I, I think it's it's like any media form. Naturally, like it's just human nature. We tend to organize things in categories, and usually those categories mean they have a commonality one way or the other. So a great example is like if you go on Netflix, you know Netflix is going to start categorizing your stuff based on you know because you watch this. If you go into movies, um, even if you go into comedies, you're going to have romantic comedies, you're going to have action comedies, you're going to have, you know, slapstick comedies, whatever. So all of those same kind of genre hierarchies exist with pornography. And I mean, let's not forget 35%, roughly 35% of all downloads on the internet are pornographic in nature. So obviously, when you have these mega sites like Pornhub, the the genres just naturally form because there's just different kinds of content that people want to engage in. I, I think 
I use the term genre because I think as soon as you say it, people get it. They understand there's a certain type, there's a brand to it. But I've actually found for the more individual aspect of maybe starting to like, we're going to get into this, but starting to kind of decode, like, I'm really drawn to this type. What does that mean? Or what are the implications of it? I actually find that search terms usually tell a much better story than genres mm. because even like a like you can pick a movie and a movie can be categorized a couple different ways and so the same thing like you could watch a video and if you try to categorize it into a genre you know there's a, there's an element of subjectivity there but if we look at your search history and we look at the keywords you typed in that tells a much stronger story so the the genres are definitely helpful but to me, it's actually all about the search terms. That's where we get the real gold from the recovery point of view. So I don't know. How about you? Like, do you, would you would you view that similarly, or maybe I don't know. Maybe there's a different way to look at it. Yeah, yeah. So when I when I talk about even uh, like like literature, whether it's kind of entertainment, it's it's movies or books. Uh, at that level, it, it can trivialize uh, the reality of like genres. I think, and right. at least in my thinking, because. Uh, I just, I just chalk that up as to like preference. It's like, oh, well, that's just my preference. But if you press me on that, just like a little bit, it's like, okay, so like, is it just your preference that you like adventure action movies over, uh, maybe like, like sappy dramas, uh, that is like, well, no, it's not just a preference. Like I actually wouldn't watch one and I would watch the <laughs> other, you know, it's actually like, no, like I, I'm drawn to this. This is the sort of entertainment I like when I want to turn off my brain. I want to zone out when I want to get into a different story. These are yeah. the sorts of stories that I pursue. And it's not a matter of preference. Like this is, this is, it, it's a, it's a zero sum. It's I, I'm, I'm only going to pursue these. I'm really not going to pursue these over here. I'm not, I just, I don't like horror films, you know, I just don't. Um, okay. Other people do. That's fine. I think that's fine, but uh, I, I'm not. So it's not like, I, I, well, yeah, it's, it's a preference. So like, if I get to say that I'm going to go this direction. So I think that's telling and that's important. Um, and I do think it plays that way with pornography as well. Sur search how, uh, this is so interesting because I like as a child, like I didn't I didn't necessarily know of distinctions. So here, here's what I'm, I guess I'm trying to get at right now is I think I'm constantly surprised by how many people around me um, intentionally pursue pornography without thinking that they're intentionally pursuing a type of pornography. Right. Right. Yeah. So when you say like uh, search terms, can you walk us through that? Because I think that's actually revealing and helpful in a way that genre, like I was just trying to show, we place that in a category of entertainment and then even in entertainment, a matter of preference. So the search terms, what does that show us? Yeah. So I, I think this is where a conversation like this becomes really useful and maybe before I get into the specifics, the other thing that's probably worth mentioning is if you were to look at our, you know, our, our viewing history. So uh, I was addicted for about 15 years, age of 11 to 26. Over those years, the, the profile changed, if, if you will. And, um, I think what happens with, you know, I'm sure some of the people listening can, can resonate with this, um, is eventually you catch yourself watching more obscure, more unique. Sometimes it's more intense content. And I think people start to get really disgusted with themselves. And I, I was starting to head in that direction. I would say by God's grace, I didn't, I didn't go too far off that deep end, but I think, um, it's important for people to know that what's happening there is actually a lot more neurological than we realize. Um, because I think what happens, like we know that there's so much shaming that goes on in, sexual misbehavior to begin with. So already it's like, man, I struggle with porn. I'm such a worthless piece of whatever. And, you know, I'm hopeless. I'm never going to get free of this. And then you start watching stuff that you're kind of judging yourself for watching. Like, what's wrong with me? That's so disgusting. I'm such a, you know, X, Y, Z. You can fill in your blank. Mm -hmm. um, but as I start to get into the, the terms, I just wanted to set the stage a little bit with that for people to know that um, there's actually a, a neurobiological process called desensitization. And it's the marker of any real addiction, which is that basically, you know, you're in, in pursuit of that hit or that feeling, that euphoria, um, you essentially need more. You either need more of it or you need something that's more intense. 
And nothing brings that kind of experience like novelty. So what happens is just the stuff that you used to do kind of wears off. And so you, you look for new content. And it's usually in our pursuit of novelty that we actually start to drift in some of the more obscure search terms. So I just want to say that out, out front and outright. Would that be part of your story as well, Shane? Like, did you observe? And I know for you, you have a mixture of different behaviors that you had to kind of addictive behaviors that you had to eliminate. Um, I, I don't know. Was that desensitization? Do you observe that in your own story as well? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's the, it's the exact, like the data is the exact same for drug abuse. Uh, when somebody gets clean and then goes back to drugs, if there's a relapse, they start off where they left. Yeah. Uh, that's why overdoses are so much higher for relapsing because your body hasn't like, it's not, it can't handle that. It has no uh, resistance to it. Uh, yes. tolerance. Um, and so we go back and that's why I, I think that's probably why the shame, because the shame is kind of the effect of pornography, the shame factor afterward, you just feel so gross, man. Like when you go back and it's been a while, uh, yeah. whereas you get used to like kind of living in that shame, you're anesthetized to it to some degree. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so when you go back and you're washed in it again, it's like a deep plunge into oil. It's just gross and disgusting and it's clogging all your pores. So, uh, Yes, it has been my experience and it's it's I think it's uh it's important to me to know that there's like it's a cross disciplinary observation. Yeah. Um it's it's important for me to know that this is this is how maybe a addiction or human nature works. Uh it's also significant um because it 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 gives us it starts to give us insight into the reality that we are using these things to fulfill a story and we start the story where we left off yeah. um like the significance of erectile dysfunction um which is so wild it's, it's uh um researchers are finding that it's due to like voyeurism you know we're, we're so used to watching pornography as a third person uh observer Yes. Um, so all of a sudden, when we're a, a an actual participant, our body doesn't know how to respond erotically. So a lot of people actually have um, physiological issues due to uh, pornography without knowing it because they can still get off to pornography. Yes. Um, but actually being intimate with somebody else, it's like, well, yeah, you know, autoeroticism, you know how to get yourself off, you know, like exactly the sort of touch you like, but when you have to submit to someone else's touch. Right. And you have to let them uh, learn. Right. Um, but you're so desensitized because you've been giving that to yourself for years on end. Like you say, the novelty factor is worn off and it's really quite detrimental. But again, it's because we're used to watching this as a story, as a, an observer and not as mm. a participant. So those are some interesting factors for me. And that's actually been um, a part of me and my wife's story in marriage. Like, learning to trust her with that learning to and her learning to like believe me and trust me it's it's been a really cool and to like make our own story as participants yeah uh i could speak a lot to that but uh i, I think it just that that's what comes up when you uh when you ask me that question it's really interesting because and i i don't think there's any research as far as i know that actually explores this because even once you start talking about more, like I was, I was going through a study, um, uh, a week ago and they had categorized people based on like, you know, low frequency viewership, mid range and high frequency. And what they categorized as high frequency for this paper was two times a week, which we know is like actually pretty low, you know, by today's standards, right? So anyways, this, the, the, there's not research on this, but it would be interesting to see. If people were, um, or kind of the correlation with something like erectile dysfunction or sexual performance, uh, or, or sexual misperformance and the obscurity of content or more extreme genres, because I would have to imagine the, even the programming that takes place when you are, um, not just from the intensity of it, but again, participating in that narrative or rather observing that narrative. If you're accustomed to experiencing arousal by observing a particular narrative, that is abnormal, not something you're going to actually get physically in the bedroom. It would kind of make sense then that you would have a hard time actually experiencing arousal when you are having an in-person encounter because it would be so vastly different from what you're typically getting aroused by. So I, th I think that's a really, really good point. Uh, you okay if I get into the search term stuff now? Yeah, do it. 
Okay. So I, I, admittedly, the greatest resource we have to have a discussion about this is, is Pornhub, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but Pornhub does release great data about, about their viewers every single year. And in my, so my line of work, you know, we're helping guys get free of porn addiction and we are working with men exclusively. So the, the two terms that were, that are always interesting to us always appear in the top five. And they, they are great examples of how the, the engagement that we have in pornography is so much more than just, oh, like from a male perspective, oh, like I'm just a horny guy and I just need to see, you know, something sexual because guys, we're sexual beings and we can't turn it off. And, you know, all, all the, all the jargon and junk that you kind of hear out there. Uh, the reality is there are specific reasons that, that we look up specific things. And I, again, I'm very happy to use my own, my own story to kind of be, um, on the operating table here for everybody to see, cause I think mm. it's really helpful. So, um, so two of the top five contents, the one word I, I won't, I won't say, but I'll just say it's mom related content. Um, and lesbian, those are two things that, that typically show up top five almost every single year. Yeah. And we, uh, we talk about this a lot in our program, a lot in recovery about the importance of understanding, um, how your upbringing has flavored your um your arousal template or the way that you experience your sexuality because those things are almost unmistakable and for a lot of guys you know two out of three porn viewers are men um for a lot of men the reason i believe that there's such a draw to this kind of overtly female content and even mom related content is actually because i think um i think a lot of woundings in these areas drive a lot of their sexuality and i know for me this was actually like this was one of the clinchers in my own recovery was I realized that part of my, uh, that there were some deficiencies that I personally felt in my, um, in my upbringing with, in my relationship with my mom. Not that she was, uh, terrible anyway. In fact, she was, she was fantastic, but just differences. And, but living with that, that difference or those deficiencies caused me to seek attention and affirmation and affection in other places, girls and pornography. And eventually it was a lot more pornography and a lot less girls as time kind of went on. Um, and, and if you looked at my search history, um, especially the mom related content would be top of that list. Uh, that was just a huge part of my viewing pattern. Um, and I, I have one more layer to add there, but uh, I want to hear your thoughts on this first before we go any deeper. Yeah. Thanks. Um, I pre- appreciate, I appreciate the candor. Uh, thanks for, yeah. Thank you. Um, okay. Yeah. So unequivocally, uh, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's male and female. I was looking at this earlier today in preparation for this conversation, and I was looking at male and female top searches, and and it it is it, I think for the last decade, like for the last ten years, consistently every year, um, uh, like incestuous uh, topics have yes. been always in the top five. So whether that's um, like stepsister, stepdad, step uh, milf, uh, just like different content like that, mom, mom content, um, it's consistently in the top five across demographics, which is really telling. Why is that telling? Um, because it's an indication that we, as a culture uh are having serious issues with our sense of family and our sense Mm. of home wow yeah right so we can look at it at a cultural level and say that we can look at it at a personal level and just ask the question okay what what just what so uh, even pornography in and of itself or even yeah so just stick with pornography um is a, a severe it's 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 a an orgasm is a very impassioned activity yeah i mean apart from like artificially created drugs it is the highest spike of of chemical reward system that a human can experience yes. in their body and their brain and it's also the most intimate thing we can do with another human being uh literally it creates another human being uh, <laughs> some some crazy power. Um, so that's a lot. So if we're doing that by ourselves, doing that by ourselves, that's a lot of passion to just mm. blow into nothingness, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so even then, you got to ask the question: like, 
like this is a catch-all for a lot of emotions. Like when I'm sad, I go here. When I'm angry, I go here to like put me to bed. I go here to wake me up. I go here to pick me up in the middle of the day. You know, like there's there's a lot, even like taking a step back and say like, when, when do I go to porn? Why do I go to porn? Mm -hmm. I think again, for people listening, um, still maybe having that question of like, well, you know what? I don't, I don't have that. I don't have that. I was like, well, what? Are there certain positions that you particularly like, almost exclusively like? Are there only certain positions that you can finish in when you're actually having sex? Um, I mean, it's becoming more and more popular today for couples to actually like watch porn together uh, or to be filming or to have sex near a mirror, again, because you have that third person perspective. Mm. And so just asking those questions of yourself um, when like... uh, does she or he need to be in a certain position during certain things and yeah. why? Um, and again, take, taking away the easy answer of, well, that's just my preference. It's like, if you can only orgasm or only get aroused in that way, that it's not a, it's not a preference. Like that's demand. You need that. Yeah. Uh, so those are some things that come to mind as you're talking yes. um, that speak to the neurological connection that you were bringing up. But also that data, and again, like I, I, th- I think that's probably uh, that's actually, I mean, a, a layer that I'm sure we'll get into of what does this expose. And again, it's very similar for me. So the uh, uh, full transparency to reciprocate your your vulnerability from earlier. It's like, yeah, like family stuff is. Yes. So for me, reality, reality content, and family stuff, um, and being pursued. I think like like a woman coming on to me in a reality context um, and not, not exclusively family, but like just that sort of scenario was very, gosh, it was intoxicating for me Um, because I, I wanted to be pursued. I didn't feel pursued, you know, prioritized, valued. Um, And then also I didn't, I didn't, it took me so long to learn this. I didn't like my story. I didn't like my story. And so I would look for, I would look for the reality, a reality content in pornography, because that's the story I wanted to live in, but not as the main character even then. Right. So like, I didn't like my character in reality and I didn't like reality. I didn't like my story. Um, So these are some of the things that it showed me. It was like, okay, taking a step back, do I, do I believe life is worth living? And what about life do I love? Like what, what is abundant life, Jesus? Because I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Right? Taking a step back. So that's some of the stuff it showed me. Um, but what's that next layer that you were hinting at earlier? Yeah. Oh, dude, you set me up. You didn't even know it. So, um, the, and th- again, this is a, v- a very big part of my story and uh, not not true of everybody. And th- that's a, an important part that's probably, in, in, it'd be worth noting at this point, which is that there's incredible individuality to this. So like I've seen some coaches in my space who are like, oh, if you watch this content, it means you have this. If if you watch that, it means that, you know, they kind of have it like formulaic. And that's really, I think that's a poor way to go about this. I'm all about like, I don't mind some generalizations or general patterns. Sometimes that can be really useful as a starting point. But to the listeners, you know, you need to own this, like own your story like you were just saying and identify the nuances of your own story. Even, um, you know, Drew, Drew Boa, obviously our mutual friend and colleague, uh, he shares about how uh, he used to get nighttime arousal all the time. You know, it was like he could be fine during the day and then while he's going to bed, it's there every time. And it's so easy to be like, you know, the spiritual angle, like, you know, the enemy kind of like prowling in the night. It's easy to be like, well, yeah, you know, it makes sense physiologically. Your body starts to relax. And so maybe that's where your mind is going or, you know, whatever. There's all these explanations. Well, he realized that for the first, like, I forget what it was. Let's call it 10 years of his life. His mom would basically like cuddle with him and tuck him in every night. So he just got used to that maternal affection every night before he went to bed. And at some point that's going to stop. And, you know, it stopped right around puberty, but he's still, he's been wired to get that female connection right and nurturing right before bed so naturally you know the brain being the great solutionizer that it is it just comes up with another way to get that need met and unfortunately it's you know something destructive like porn so it's just helpful to know to observe these things in your own story and kind of identify them and uh, that this segues into into this extra layer which to me is 
the most important part. Um, this is even neurobiologically, I think the most important part. Everybody talks about uh, dopamine, right? Dopamine is is always the the neuro- neurotransmitter that people talk about, and if not dopamine, people will talk about serotonin. Serotonin is like the feel good, um, the pleasure hormone. But actually, I think oxytocin is the most important part. Oxytocin is the bonding chemical. And maybe you and I maybe have even talked about this before in another one. But it's interesting for me when I was kind of starting to get um, freedom. So it's no longer like, okay, I'm watching, I'm not watching every day, but I, I was stuck in a binge purge cycle for a while. And when I, when I binge, it's so interesting what you said. You always pick up where you left off. That is so true. And I, I used to do that, but where, where I left off, was typically a handful of the same, you know, models and actresses that I had gotten accustomed to watching. And I'm, the reason I mentioned that is because of there, there is a bonding that takes place, whether it's with, you know, a particular person. Sometimes it's even just with the genre. We, we are, we are attaching regularly when we view and certainly as our viewing persists over longer periods of time. And that kind of, um, that kind of bonding is what not, it doesn't just keep us coming back on a regular basis, but it, it, it makes it actually much harder to to break free long term because you're not just rewiring your brain and you're not just you know choosing new habits you're actually breaking bonds like emotional bonds that you've made with another person and those are not broken easily especially if you don't have the proper guidance to do so so that that's an important layer to this um because yeah i think in addition to search terms people are finding there's other little you know, subcomponents that we tend to bond with and that can keep the addiction really, really strong and very hard to break. So Thea, have you done research into, so I know, uh, so like oxytocin, uh, it's released during sex, it's released during uh, intimate eye contact. Um, and the two contexts specifically are usually uh a mother breastfeeding with a baby and two people having eye contact during sex, right. um, which is uh, it's important because there are several like popular positions during sex that don't have any eye contact whatsoever. Right. Um, so eye contact during sex and then uh, a mother breastfeeding when there's um, I know uh, oxytocin is released uh, apart from eye contact, like that's not necessary for oxytocin and it does create a chemical commitment. Like there is a, a, a chemical tethering um, that takes place there. And so I know that that happens in digital contexts. Um, I've just, uh, I haven't, I've heard. So there's a conversation that Jordan Peterson and Andrew Huberman uh, had, I don't know, like a year ago or something, but they like the last 10 yeah. minutes they get into pornography and it is like totally riveting. It's yeah. like a two hour conversation, last 10 minutes, pornography. <laughs> um, but uh, Huberman talks about the neurology of uh, how, how during pornography, there's, it, it creates this closed loop um, where oxytocin's released, but there's a- almost like a, an entrapment where you're not giving to somebody else and they're not giving to you. You're just giving to self and then spilling, giving to self. It's, it's, it's just a closed loop. It doesn't actually go anywhere. It doesn't go outside of that context and flourish. It doesn't bring about life, but I've never actually like looked at like what that means necessarily when it comes to oxytocin with a human being versus by yourself in a digital context. That's a great question. I, I I mean, I definitely don't know the answer, but I have to imagine it would be influenced by how you're engaging with it. So, you know, when porn becomes the the thing that you just do regularly, that's one thing. Um, and it depends on why, but you and I both mentioned as part of our stories, the whole concept of female tension was very much a driving factor and um, yeah, maybe maybe it is actually still a closed loop. I mean, that that does actually make sense. But the oxytocin bonding would be there nonetheless because it it is the the digital experience is still providing you a sense of pseudo connection, yeah. uh, attachment, um, attention from you know the opposite sex or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's enough, you know th- that that's enough. But I. It does make sense what he's saying. I, I I would love to look into it a little bit more, but yeah, it it's definitely not the same. And you and I, you know, being married men, we can both attest that there's no. Um, it's I, I don't know if you don't know who Andy Mino is. Uh, he's on Lecrae's label, um, mm-hmm. like a, a great rapper. Yeah, and uh, and he's he said it best. He said, um, "There's no sex like marriage sex." 
you know, and that, that is absolutely true. And it's in large part because of our experience of oxytocin, you know, in that context, it's just, it's different. That is interesting. So uh, I know the research with dopamine, the the danger of pornography with dopamine, one of the dangers is that there's no effort. Um, and so it's an easy uh, reward feedback. Um, mm. But if there's no challenge, then there's no growth. There's no like character development, uh, whereas that's supposed to be a part of the process. And so like the challenge we make then is like prowling the internet for an hour or two, you yeah. know, like that's the challenge where we got to find that perfect scene with that, per- you know, and we line like, like line people line them up. They're like multiple videos and they'll create their own collage for it. And, uh, and that's, that's not, there's no character development in that. There's no, that's not real challenge so we're getting these huge dopamine spikes uh without any sort of developmental reality to it i, I mean at least not a positive one it's it's de- deformational i i would say yeah. um uh what's the question in here well i'll just comment on that like, yeah there's great character building opportunities embedded in romantic relationships and yeah. the pursuit and all of those things are lost in pornography. Like pornography is weakening the men of our society because you have a lot of men now who just are choosing to not pursue a woman at all because it's easier, right? Like you said, like there's no challenge. There's no sense of earning that reward. And that becomes incredibly addictive, especially when that reward is actually meeting fundamental needs, you know, because there's there's certain needs we have in our life that aren't actually needs, you know, they're kind of a, they're a layer up, they're nice to have, but then there are these more fundamental needs like attachment that these needs are going to get met one way or the other. And yeah, that that's uh, Jordan, Jordan Peterson um, talks about this actually in, um, even in the context of um, th- this, I'm, I'm switching gears slightly, but uh, things like uh, psychosilent, uh, psych- sil- I'm not saying that right. It's like, um, the the mushroom what is it it's psy- psychocybin psychedelic yeah psychedelics but there's a specific one anyways i'm for, i'm forgetting it now but um sorry it's psilo- psilocybin that's what it's called um psilocybin and some of these and and what he says is you have to be aware of unearned consciousness cuz that's why people are getting into some of these substances is cuz they sort of bypass some of your defense mechanisms right. and you know people are having all these great breakthroughs but uh the 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 one challenge he says you have to be aware of unearned consciousness and that that whole concept is existent throughout humanity it's god's design that the greatest things we experience the the greatest rewards always have the greatest price there's the greatest cost you know mm-hmm. and obviously you know look no further than the crucifixion to see a great embodiment of that concept. So I think it's absolutely true. And I think for the men listening in particular, yes, it is, it is challenging and it's, it's easier certainly to settle for this digital age and digital options. That's just, that's just a fact, you know, it is easier, but the person that it makes you in the process is, is a huge problem. And we can't outrule that in the conversation around all of this stuff. I think what's interesting is how, uh, so we were talking earlier about how, um, how porn genres can reveal, um, cultural values. And so that's one layer, but another one is that it's also a huge release of emotion. So, you know, people are disappointed with their jobs. They're angry. They're resentful. We then, um, use that frustration and find, pleasure and acceptance in pornography. It's, it's where we get to play God. It's a place where our wants and our needs, uh, uh, there's a whole harem of men and or women uh, who are sensitive to our wants, our needs. They don't care how we smell, how we look. They don't care how we're dressed. They accept us as we are whenever, uh, and they will they will cast themselves for us in whatever position we want. They'll do whatever we want whenever we want them to do it. It's a lot of power. It's so much power. And that's like the false gospel in pornography. Um, Yeah, you're wanted. You're accepted just the way you are. And all I want to do is give you pleasure. That's all I want. You know, that's, that's the, uh, yeah, that's the voice. That's the call. That's the siren call of pornography. So, um, 
But when you look at pornography, it's like wildly racist. You know, we just like look at it. It's like, okay, like the the sort of content with um colored and white, uh, like even like the the cross blending of mm-hmm. of race is like its own sort of genre and category, but then it's also very sexist, uh, which is really wild because with the increase of women viewing pornography, this idea of like being dominated in in pornography is something that's like pursued but I, I like I can't help but wonder like how much of that is just like brainwashing I remember looking at a study uh, a UK study of anal sex and uh it was like 16 to 18 year olds they took this survey that uh they be- it was like 91 percent of them believed that anal sex would be painful more painful than pleasurable and then like 84% of them would have anal sex, you know? <laughs> so it's like they Crazy. they believed that the pain to pleasure ratio was lopsided in, in favor of painful. And yet 84% of them believed that it was the right thing to do sexually, um, which is so wild to me. Um, so anyways, can, can you speak to that? It'd be interesting to hear you speak to uh, oh, maybe some of like... Yeah, like the values uh, that end up coming out of pornography and genres yeah. in specific. Oh yeah, yeah. We could we could wrap on this for a long time. So two big things come to mind. Number one, to round out the top five. So we you you already mentioned one of them. One's milf. One's lesbian. Um, the other top five uh, typically are hentai, Japanese, and pinay, which are all um, particular ethnicities, more or less. Um, and it's interesting because if you think about um, the this the particular uh, races that are being presented in a certain way, like as being you know super innocent or super naive, yeah. and they kind of play into some of these. They're obviously they're 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 wildly untrue, but they kind of play into the the storylines that you know that we find desirable, or that again satiate some of those more foundational needs. And that's really just the tip of the iceberg. Um, like there, there's a researcher named Carolyn West. She's a, a psychology professor out of the States. And she actually went, you know, did, did a deep dive just into, you know, mainstream pornography and exploring, you know, some of the racial undertones and uh, unfortunately overtones. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I, I, again, like we could spend a whole episode talking about this, but she found that like, you know, black women typically play the role of prostitutes. They're featured in urban settings, rundown yeah. buildings, trash filled alleys. Uh, the, the titles that are used are totally disgusting. I, I wouldn't even be able to repeat some of the stuff here. Uh, even just the, what they name the content. Um, and even a search for the N word turns up thousands of videos on any major porn site, Pornhub not being excluded from that. And, and she even, you know, she has stories of performers who have been called the N word on camera against their wishes. And, uh, and the, the kind of, um, hilarious part of this is Pornhub's terms and conditions state that they do not allow racial slurs or hate speech, you know, like just classic, like, don't worry, guys, we got it covered legally. But, you know, practically, there's actually no protection of any any race going on, um, you know, let alone races that are typically marginalized, like, unfortunately, black communities. So I think it's a really prevalent thing. And the the danger of it, like any kind of uh, racist material, is the the prejudices that it creates and the the messaging. It's sort of the subconscious programming that takes place in how we view our brothers and sisters in Christ Hmm. that simply have, you know, different features or hail from a different nation. And so it's a huge problem. And just to drive it home a little bit further in a different context, I had somebody who uh, I would say is very respected in, um, in a particular industry. Again, I won't just, I won't give any specifics. I'll protect his privacy, but he had, he had reached out to me and he was super embarrassed and he said, Hey man, I don't have anybody in my life that I can ask a question like this, but I really, I really do need to run it by you. And I said, yeah, you know, shoot, what's up? And he said, well, um, you know, I quit porn a, a couple of years ago. And obviously that was like one of the best things I ever did. You know, my life is a lot better. My marriage is a lot better. This guy's married. He's got a bunch of kids. And, um, he said, but I, I'm really having a hard time, um, having any kind of endurance in my sex life since I quit porn. So when I watch porn, you know, again, going back to desensitization earlier, um, it takes, it would take a lot to kind of climax and to, to complete. Now he's kind of lost, like he's become very sensitized again, which is one of the beautiful things of recovery, you know, and getting your body back. And he, he was like, you know, I, can, I, I only last typically a few minutes. 
and he he was like, I feel like I'm a, a teenage kid on prom night. He had some funny, you know, metaphor for it. And I was like, dude, I'm like, that's your that's just your porn brain. Like, that's just porn programming. Like, however long you last for stars, it doesn't really matter. But even this even the research shows the typical romp is usually about five minutes. I think it's five minutes and forty-four seconds. There's some exact number on it. Mm-hmm. But he he was shocked. Like he thought like if it's 20, 25 minutes or if it's less than that, like it's kind of a failure. He felt like he just was not stepping up to the plate. And I was like, you know, does your wife care? He's like, Oh no, she she loves it. She thinks uh-huh. it's great. You know, and it was like, dude. That stuff, like, it, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? But we get so programmed, you know, and again, most of that happens subconsciously. But you look at a typical porn video, it's, yeah, 15, uh, 20, 25 minutes. It's somewhere in that range. And so it kind of makes sense how naturally, again, nobody's telling us this, but the message is subconsciously absorbed of this is what sex looks like or, you know, this is how you're to treat certain people. And these become wildly systemic issues. Um, and they, they play into deeper systemic issues because we know that racism, unfor- unfortunately, this is like a pressing issue, you know, at the time that we're recording this, it's very important. And, um, the, the prevalence of it and the depth to which it kind of penetrates the fabric of our society and, uh, you know, the psyche of North American culture, it's influenced by a lot of things. But if it's not, um, if it's not initiated by pornography, it certainly is enhanced by it. And, you know, I get just another reason why porn is so destructive in our culture. Yeah. The, uh, I'm pretty sure this past year for, uh, the, the most popular topic was, was le- lesbian. The most po- popular for, genre for 2022, uh, on Pornhub, I believe it was actually hentai. I think that was number one. Let me see okay. if I can pull it up here. Yeah. Hen- it was hentai and Japanese. Those are one, two lesbian was fourth. Interesting. Um, I know that, uh, lesbian has, has taken, um, has had an influx of viewership because of the growing female viewership in pornography. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting cause there are, there's a lot of research out there about women who have male partners or are married to males and their porn of choice is lesbian lesbian pornography they're not yeah. they wouldn't actually say that they're lesbian they just go and watch that pornography and yeah. the, the the why like the answer is like they they don't get that sort of they don't they fantasize about being cared for that way and they right. just they don't with their partners uh why because pornography at least the pornography that a lot of males have grown up with and are learning as sex ed currently is 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 a really sexist, really beat up form of it's it's so male centric, and the male pleasure is dominant, and it yeah. it ends with the male orgasm, and it presents <laughs> that f- like females orgasm multiple times during vaginal sex. It's totally true that women can orgasm multiple times, which is awesome. Like it's it's amazing. Uh, but I think it's like under 50% of women actually yeah. orgasm from vaginal sex, right, um, yeah. which is wild. And that's a huge myth. So even like this, this idea of like needing to last long to give them multiple orgasms so that we can finish in a particular way is, is its own brand of sexism that really it's, I mean, again, like the data of women pursuing lesbian pornography without actually being in lesbian relations or qualifying themselves as lesbian or bisexual is very fascinating. So, Cynthia, when it comes to, uh, I know we should start wrapping up the conversation, but I I want to, I want to spend just the last few minutes processing what we've, we've, done a, a lot analyzing like the issue and the complexity of it. Um, when it comes to like somebody who's listening and just wants to actually start maybe like taking this seriously, I'm like, okay, like you've convinced me. Um, I should pay more attention to my sexual appetites and palate. Uh, mm-hmm. So what am I pursuing sexually? And what is, what does that reveal about what I long for? Uh, how do I seek salvation and reprieve and haven within pornography um like what am i this just shows what i'm scared of this just shows what i'm battling this shows what i'm avoiding you know yeah. uh, how how can somebody start really maybe taking a step back and yeah maybe just taking this seriously as it's really it's fascinating i know jay stringer in unwanted is pretty adamant that um 
our our sexual brokenness, like the devil overplays his hands, like the thing that we are pursuing in our sexual brokenness is actually the means of the road for our recovery. Mm. Uh, so just hearing you maybe speak, because you talk about how this is a this is something that you do with uh, yeah. the people that you walk with. Um, when you get them to take take this aspect of their story seriously, what's the next step? Yeah, it's, it is the question to ask for sure. And I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. So the first thing I would say is this is, this is complicated. This is one of the more complex subjects. And I think if, if people are open to it, getting some professional help really does go a long way so that you can have somebody who's asking you the right questions, who's going to make sure that you're not doing, it's like, this is a danger place for self-diagnosis. And um, that can be, it can be actually really impactful, but it can also be detrimental if it's not done well. So I think having that professional guidance is great. Um, and you mentioned Jay Stringer's book, that, that would be another good place to start. But we have a, a question that we always encourage our community to ask. And we, we have them ask this after, you know, any relapse, any day that they're tempted. And certainly, you know, if you were able to patternize some of your viewing, whether it's related to the genre and the content, or maybe it's even just more time of the day or, you know, that kind of thing. The one question that you can always ask yourself that's probably going to give you more insights into this conversation than anything else is what did it offer me? What did it offer me? And whether you want to talk to your accountability partner about that, whether you want to journal about it and just have a conversation with God, maybe it's just your own processing and meanderings. What does it offer me? What did it offer me? You know, if you observe like, wow, I, I, you know, I'm in that category. I watch a lot of lesbian content. Well, what does lesbian content offer you? You know, just, just start asking yourself that question. You don't have to have instant answers, but if you start to poke around, your, your brain will start to connect some dots and that might give you some really good insight into where some deeper healing and medicating at a heart level is necessary. Like I said, for me, it became very clear that there were, there were some, there was some mother wounding that had taken place and that actually allowed me to kind of get a bit more focused. Now I, I, it didn't necessarily happen in that order for me. It happened a bit retroactively where in a, in a session, I actually just did some forgiveness and did some releasing and some reconceptualizing. And then all of a sudden I realized like, Oh, no wonder I've been drawn to this content. So it happened in kind of reverse order for me, but you can, you can go through that process. And that'll, that'll really give you a lot of clues into maybe what your next step is in recovery. But I think it starts with that question, what does it offer me? How, how about you, Shane? How would you answer that? Or how would you guide people who want to extract some of the information here and take a practical step? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, so for me, I really love that. Uh, just what, what does it offer me? I think yeah. that that's a potent question. If I could use the word potent, um, it's a, uh, it's telling, it's revealing. If the porn is, um, is hard, is hard to get away from. It's really hard. Uh, I'd, pro I'd probably recommend two things. One is um, bringing somebody else in, um, somebody that you that you trust, somebody who will process this with you. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I, I would recommend maybe like somebody you view as like an older brother or like a mentor. Um, but again, that you trust them. I think that that's important. I think that's important because uh, it's porn is living in the darkness. You know, it's just it's it's darkness living and yeah. to become a child of light. Like it's so popular these days. So like I can find the right answer and fix myself, you know. And, yeah. uh, and it's just not true. Loneliness got you into this problem to begin with, you know, uh, so yeah. trying to figure this out by yourself, uh, isn't the way to do it. And then the second one is, um, uh, what's Sathya saying? Um, what you're saying, Sathya, of what does this offer me? Uh, ask that. So uh, this is how, if I were a listener, uh, this is how I I've done this, like, I've done this like a hundred times. Um, I tried that once. It didn't work. I tried that once. I went back and watched mm. porn again. Ask yeah. yourself that question. What does this offer me after every time, every right. time. Right. And like, Good point. like yeah. take a breath, go outside, walk around. Like, like, cause the shame will just make you want to hide, you know, and like give a really yeah. trite, easy answer. Like, what did that offer? It's like, we're pretty for whatever, you know, and just a quick, yeah. simple answer. Cause you want to get away from that shame. It's like, yeah. Okay. Go outside, shake it off, take a breath realize that God is still giving you breath. He still sees you and loves you. 
He watched all of that and he's still giving you life. Okay. Take a breath mm-hmm. and then go journal, go journal. What, what, what did that go? go for a walk? Talk out loud. What did that? What, why did I, why did I go there? What did I want? What, what, what do I, what was I longing for that yeah. caused me to go there? Uh, do that every time, like every single time. I think those two, uh, a companion, find a companion, uh, live in the light. Um, and then the second one, do that every time. God's okay with salvation being a process. He's okay with redemption being a process. More often, we're not. We're less okay with ourselves than God is. Um, <laughs> I'm astounded with how relentlessly committed he is to me and uh, how slow he is to criticize me. Yeah. He's, um, yeah, he's just really good. He's 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 better than I ever really give him credit for. So taking that seriously and realizing that. Um those are two thoughts, Cynthia. I uh yeah, I mean like there are like 17 other thoughts, but those two. I think those two are probably <laughs> most potent. So do you uh do you have a final word when it comes to counsel or reflection when it comes to porn genres? Cynthia. You know, I didn't realize how expansive this topic really is because i feel like we only scratch the surface and we just we killed an hour here no problem so um yeah so you know don't be too overwhelmed if you guys are listening i think the practical steps we just gave here are great and like i said this this could this has the risk of being like oh i have a runny nose and then you google runny nose and and there's a blog there that says you have cancer so just just be careful with the self-diagnosis don't go too far off the deep end here um, consider information, add it to your arsenal and, you know, get some expert guidance to lead you along the way. Yeah, that's solid. So Thea, real quick, when it comes to, um, self-diagnosing, can you just play out the danger of that a little bit real quick? Cause I, I know exactly where you go on like this, witch hunt, which hunt of like your childhood <laughs> yeah. and be like finding, like trying to find antecedents to all your problems, just trying to fix yourself. Yeah. Um, and I, I, that's what I hear when you talk about that. And that's why professional care and guidance is helpful because I'm, I'm constantly surprised by how like trivial things had huge implications upon me. Things that I thought were trivial while at the same time, mm-hmm. there were a lot of just trivial things, you know, like, it's just like childhood things that I don't need to like embed with the most significant, profound meaning. Yeah. Um, is that, would that encapsulate some of what you're trying to definitely. say by way of, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely part of it. I think the other pertinent risk for our conversation today is that people people start to observe like, oh, what kind of genres do I watch? Oh, this, this is what I'm drawn to. Therefore, oh, they talked about this on the show. It means, you know, X, Y, Z. And I think I would just be slow to connect those dots. I personally, it would not be very quick because you want to make sure that you get a really comprehensive picture of the story, the narratives that are at play, um, you want to make sure you have a, a really full picture before you start to conclude that these things are actually connected. Sometimes it's just not as obvious as it may appear at first. So that would just, that's just my big warning is just don't jump in too quickly. Because again, if you fail to accurately define this, the problem, then your solution will be ineffective. So that's the, that's the danger here. Like you can connect some dots. It's not your, your whole situation is not going to blow up. It's just that whatever solution you extract from that, it's not going to be effective for you long term. So better to spend your time really making sure that you understand the dots and, and connect them appropriately. And then you can be a lot more confident that your solution is actually going to contribute to your goals of long term success and recovery. So good. Okay. Uh, my final thought on this is, um, it is, it is okay to have positions that you like in sex. It's okay <laughs> to have like settings. Well it's okay to explore. I think uh, what Sathya and I have been hitting on is that a lot of uh, pornography frames sex as sports where the person who can perform the best, last the longest, knows the most positions, uh, et cetera, is the best. They win. Um, and when you read... So there's something really beautiful when, uh, so like, oh, oh, again, like a man prioritizes a, a, a female, their wife's orgasm. So that happens. And then the man that during vaginal, like orgasms within like two minutes, you know, there's something like, well, I find you so beautifully attractive 
that like I get off that quickly, you know, like I can't help myself. That's so there's something like utterly romantic about that. Um, And it's almost impossible to read a book like Song of Songs and not see the playfulness and not see the diversity to not see like that they are head over heels. And there's a lot of dynamic language to explain sex. It's, it's so poetic. And so yes. this idea of like sex as play is what me and Kaylee try and pursue so that mm. to try and recapture our child likeness in the midst of it um, because it's so vulnerable and it's terrifying and your clothes are off and, and bodies are weird, you know, and sex is messy and it's okay. It's okay to like talk and to giggle and to laugh and to, as, but sex as sport is what we're trying to get away from. Yeah, uh, so good, wanting man. to maybe like uh, frame things within that context. Sathya, any final word when it comes to that uh, oh, disclaimer? No, that was perfect. Really well said. And I think it ties nicely into the what you were saying earlier, like you don't want to get on the witch hunt. Because mm-hmm. um, that would be another, it's just another inherent risk is that um, you you start to lose the joy of sex because you're afraid of like, oh, wait, do I enjoy this because of some trauma or something? Mm-hmm. Instead of just like you're saying, being in the moment, being almost being kids about it, you know, just being so playful and innocent. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Well said, man. Amen. So, Thea, thank you so much for going after this topic with us. I know it's, uh, again, it's not one that we've ever done on the Naked Gospel. Um, it's kind of, it's it's awkward. It's an awkward one. And I couldn't actually think of somebody, I've been wanting to talk about this for a long time. And I couldn't think of somebody where it's like, I have enough of a like relational collateral where I could ask them to discuss this with me. So thank you so much. Oh, d- likewise. I always enjoy our conversations and I'm really excited to get this one out because I think it's an important topic. So thanks, man. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the next one already. Folks, um, We'll have uh, links down below for all of Sathya's uh, resources and his ministry, uh, his podcast. Uh, do check that out. He is incredible. I think you get to sense some of uh, the peace and wisdom that he pursues uh, and he cultivates in his life. Um, always edified by my time with him. And if you were encouraged or challenged or just appreciated this conversation, would ask that you share it with somebody that you think would appreciate it, would benefit uh, from it. We want to have these conversations in community with our friends and family. So my request is that you just share it with somebody that you think would dig it. Uh, Really grateful for all of you. Thank you for joining for another episode of The Naked Gospel, and we'll catch you next time. Well, there you go, man. I love Shane. I love his heart and uh, you will continue to hear him on on the show. I, I really enjoy my conversations with him and uh, we're talking about, he's got actually a bunch of great ideas for future conversations that I think you guys are going to love. So uh, I encourage you, go check out his podcast. There is um, just a, a wealth of information and knowledge and really high quality guests that I know you guys will appreciate. And look, if you're listening to this and you are convicted, you know, you're, you're feeling it of just how much pornography has programmed you, the way it's impacted your sex life, the way you're seeing other people. Look, now is your time to get free. I don't know why you'd waste another minute. There's only about five weeks left in the year. And I don't know that we can get you fully free by the end of the year, but I can tell you, we can make sure that you're entering January, making a New Year's resolution around this that will actually stick. You could be well on your way to freedom by January 1st, 2024. And I want nothing more, uh, nothing less rather than that for you. So if you're interested in, in looking at our program Deep Clean and seeing if it's a good fit for you and if it's maybe your next step to making a full recovery, click the link in the show notes. We would love for it to not only be your next step, but your last step. And look, if you do follow this system and you engage in our coaching and you do what we tell you to do, this program is unbelievably effective. We have helped men from around the world this year quit pornography really in spades. And we're talking about marriages being restored. We had one guy get his eyesight back from starting to quit porn. It was the weirdest thing, but the coolest thing, like you just don't know what God might do if you really start to get to the roots and apply the work that we teach you here. The link is in the show notes. Book a call with my team. We'll speak with you. We'll see if you're a good fit. And then we'll see if it makes sense to move forward. Guys, the link is in the show notes. In the meantime, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you share this with somebody that you think might enjoy it. Have an amazing day. Stay clean. Bye. Hey everybody, it's Sathya again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process 
and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast and you want to show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance, and insight in your recovery journey, I highly recommend subscribing to Unleash the Man Within. Thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting with you very, very soon. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast by Sathya Sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical, clinical, or any other form of professional advice. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk.